everyone. Welcome to Just Admit It, where former deans and directors of mission give expert insight into the complex higher ed landscape. I'm Christine, an Ivy Wise College Admissions Counselor and former Assistant Director of Missions at Yale and Georgetown University. And joining me today are my friends and fellow colleague, Judy, who was a Senior Associate Director of Missions at Georgetown, and Meg, who was an Associate Dean of Missions at Princeton University and Amherst College. In this episode, we are going to discuss how parents can help their students with their college prep. Now, with Meg and Judy, um, in addition to being expert college admissions um, officers and counselors, they both also worked in the high school context as counselor, high school counselor and um, as English teacher. And they're also parents to several children who have actually gone through the uh, process as well. So I think this is going to be a terrific episode hearing from their perspectives um, professionally and personally. So we're just going to start with a very general question, but uh, perhaps a question that many parents are thinking about as well is when do I start for this college admissions process? Do I start in kindergarten? Do I start in uh, senior year? Um, What are your thoughts, Judy and Meg, on just a general timeline of how parents can help students to prepare for this process? Um, Well, you know, I think whenever you're talking about the college search and application process, you and you have questions, you often get the response. It depends. And that's true in this context as well. I think as a parent, you know, you know, your children, you've raised your children, you've watched your children and you know their context. So in, in some instances, kids are exposed to watching cousins, neighbors, friends go through this process and, and they get wind of, of some of how it works sooner than others. So certainly my own children had you know seen me working with other students for many, many years. And as a result, I, I kind of felt like, like we needed to hold off a little bit because they were already hearing so much about applying to colleges and on family trips, we would go and walk around to college and um, they've grown up very close to college campuses as well. So for them, there wasn't um, the same kind of of importance of just introducing them to the fact that it was a process even and that there would be stages to that and that getting to see different types of colleges would be really important. So I think probably the, the, the thing to, for parents to keep in mind is to you know, assess how much does your child even know about what is involved in applying to college. I think many parents today might be surprised, and my own children have told me this, to, to hear, depending on the type of, of school that the children attend, that these kids talk about this a lot. Mm-hmm. And as a result, many of them are under tremendous pressure, probably more pressure than any of us would really want them to be under. So in some cases, I, I think it could be helpful actually for the parents to, to help to diffuse some of that rather than to put more pressure on the students. Mm-hmm. I think that's a a great way to put it. And, you know, one of the things that I did is I tried to work some of the uh, thoughts about college into our regular life. So if we were traveling, if we were going on a trip, I would just casually say that I wanted to visit a school and my kids thought nothing of that because I was a college counselor. So of course I wanted to visit any colleges that were in the area and I would bring them along. And so we started to go on tours in the early part of high school. So they, um, got a sense of what they wanted to 
look for, I think, over the years. Uh, and then they combine that with all of the things that you just talked about, Meg, you know, hearing about it through their friends, what they were working on um, in their high schools. So by the time they were sophomores and the more formal part of a college counseling program might start in a high school, even with some early exposure, they were ready to go and had some thoughts about what they wanted to do. But you're so right that every Every student child is different. I have three kids myself. Um, the youngest just went through the college admission process, and we had three very different approaches in terms of what they wanted from me, uh, the kind of support that I would give them throughout, um, and how much input they wanted. And um, you know, I had to hold myself back a little bit and try to remind myself that I need to diffuse the pressure and not increase it, um, knowing what I did. Yeah, I often think that working with students and obviously as counselors ourselves, we are very focused on the specific college, you know, kind of helping students to research and talk about the application process. But in a family context um, and my children are younger, the oldest is only 12. So for me, you know, it's thinking through also that it's not just the college is the end goal, but it's a lifelong journey along the way that there are skills and knowledge um, just being who they are as individuals that we're um, building up to. So, yes, college is definitely an important step, but um, it is about what do you want to, um, and, and not, you know, pushing, you know, young kids like, oh, you need to figure out your profession, so to speak, but how do you learn, you know, how do you be a good person? How do you um, be part of a community and contribute in meaningful ways? And how does this college piece then eventually, um, you know, fit into the process? But so it is this kind of longer journey. And I know that, Meg, you were mentioning that a lot of students, especially in high school, they do talk a lot about colleges specifically. And I get that sense too, is that only if I get into like a college, that's it. Right. And then a life is I've accomplished. Um, and it's a, certainly a huge accomplishment to, to complete high school and move on to college, but there's so much more. Right. Um, so it is that also uh, for, for families who might have younger kids or who are in high school to also look in the longer time horizon to be on college um, specifically as well. So um, yeah, just some of what you two just shared reminded me that um, yes, specifically about college, but also beyond as well, that we're helping students and families and certainly in a family context to have those conversations along the way. Um, That's right. And part of that long-term preparation too is, um, you know, people talk about a resident for a college application, like what can I do to be a good college applicant? And I try to steer the conversation toward what can I do to, um, you know, find my passions, to find my interests. And that, that is something parents can help with because students who are young, especially, you know, in middle school, or beginning of high school, don't really know where to look. And so that is some support that parents can offer in terms of helping them research summer programs or activities, or if they like one thing, perhaps you can suggest something that's related or find some local community college or college programs <clears throat> that might be available for high school students. So, you know, that's thinking in advance to um, helping them kind of, you know, enrich their lives. Also, when it comes time to apply to college, those will be uh, important parts of the application because it might help them focus their interests a little bit. Um, you know, my oldest son was very academic, and so he did a lot of summer programs um, at our local college. We were lucky to have one about five miles away. My second son uh, is very athletic, and so he enjoyed doing um, athletic programs, and we tried to find ways for both of them to expand those interests and, you know, think of other things that they could do as well. Um, so that's not exactly college preparation, but it, 
but in fact it is because you're helping your son or daughter um, find ways to make themselves have their best possible experience during high school, which then translate into having a really great college application process because they don't feel that they've missed out or that they don't have anything to offer. Yeah. And something just an anecdote, we were talking about this earlier, um, both your older children who uh, are now kind of entering the um, labor market, job market, have mentioned that how important it is to have like computing um, coding skills. So um, after that conversation, Judy, with you, I went out and as a parent, you know, looked for some online, you know, easygoing introductory it, since everything's on, um, online virtual this summer as well, you know, kind of one hour, five day, you know, like very minimal uh, camp for my daughters to, for them as a way to explore, you know, do I, what's this coding thing? You know, how does it work? But as a parent, we could, you know, um, you know, help them with the research, right? And thinking through like, um, should we do like just a trial thing, you know, an hour and a half, kind of Monday through Friday, just to get um, some introductory kind of context information for the student. And if they like it, we'll do more. So parents can be supportive in that, um, in that sense when, you know, students are younger and um, through high school as well to help them research and figure out what might be a good program to explore, encouraging them. My, my kids were very, you know, resistant. Um, and that's okay. Some kids are, you know, very accepting and others are, but, you know, kind of talk it through. Um, you as a parent know best, you know, in terms of what your children might be open to and not and um, how to encourage them and when it's too much. And so you have that dialogue and uh, that conversation, but also help them providing the resources and do some research um, to, you know, to think of some opportunity. And there are wonderful things like in my community, um, even in our local county where they were offering very affordable summer camps um, that could be done for kids. So it doesn't have to be something super fancy, but just local options could serve really well for students who want to explore interests. And, you know, on that note, um, for parents who might have sons and daughters who high schools that don't have very formal college programs, a lot of times there are local county sponsored or college sponsored um, college application boot camps in a sense. And so that's something that older students might think about, like if your son or daughter is in 10th or 11th grade, you feel that they need some support. So that's something they can explore as well. I was going to say also that even, you know, as a family, when when students are younger, just spending time on some campuses allows them to to see these places as as communities. And one thing that we did was we took our students, my children, to sporting events and concerts and um, plays and to art museums on various uh, college and university campuses. You know, if you're lucky to live near one, you can check out their calendar. Many of the events are going to be open to the public. If you're traveling, you might, you know, find that you can go and and um, see an art museum or attend a, a basketball game somewhere. And that can be a really fun thing to do. But the, the kids are getting a sense of, oh, this is what college looks like, or this is a part of college. You know, it's interesting. One of the um, pieces of advice someone gave me is, and I think it's great, is to remember that uh, this is their experience and not yours. And so, Meg, when you were talking about that, I was thinking when I worked at Georgetown of all of the alumni who would come back and bring their children to camp and uh 
you know, they wanted to repeat the experience with their kids. They wanted their kids to go there. And for some of them, it was a great choice, but others really wanted to try something different. And that was my first introduction to keeping in mind that, yes, it's their experience. So as parents, you're there to support them. You're there to help them find those opportunities to figure out what college life might be like. Uh, But your son or daughter wants to go across the country or, you know, first, for families who are overseas, if they want to make a choice that's taking them far away and it's not what you want, having a good conversation with them and and really trying to support them as much as you can um, in terms of um, having them own the process and feel that they are making the decisions. Um, So it can be hard as parents to go behind the scenes and to back off a little bit. Uh, but I think that's important to do. Um, my kids, I, so I worked in college admissions and then I was a high school counselor while my first two kids in a high school, while my first two kids went through the process and uh, it was hard for me to back off. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I was interested. I wanted to go on the tours. And one of my sons, uh, when I asked him for some insight, like, what do you think I could have done differently? Or what do you think, you know, parents could do? He said, you know, when you're visiting colleges, he said, mom, I know you are all about the college visits. And I was very patient with you when you asked questions, because I know it wasn't all about me. But he suggested if you're at a college to go ahead and, um, you know, if, if it's a big college tour. They have several tour groups, have the student go on one and have the parents go on another. And that way, maybe you get different perspectives from the tour guide, but you also can, you know, just have your own experience. The parents can ask their embarrassing questions. The student just listen or ask their own questions. And uh, it, it makes the process a little bit less stressful. And I think that's the key, right? You know, you said before to try to diffuse the tension, the tensions can come back when it comes time to actually start thinking seriously. Okay. So we've done some research, we've done summer programs. Now it's junior year and we're really thinking about what colleges you might apply to. Those tensions can rise again. And so, uh, you know, doing anything you can to diffuse that. Um, And then the other thing that I always gave as advice to parents, and I try very hard to follow myself, is not to talk about it constantly, um, because that's overwhelming for for a lot of students. Like, let them steer the bus a little bit. And um, in fact, I even worked with some families where I had them sort of, you know, work out a contract, like, all right, we will meet once a week. And you can ask me any question you want, mom and dad, during that 15-minute meeting on Sunday afternoon. But otherwise, let's not talk about it. You know, and I think um, knowing your family and how you work, there are ways that you can really be supportive without being intrusive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Any specifics you guys can think of? I know you both had um, fairly recently um, your own children, um, students that worked through. What are like, um, like, you know, uh, it is a important, Judy, to think about your point about that independence, but also kind of what are some behind the scenes kind of thing that you could do as parents that you found that was helpful in your own journey with your children, but also in your counseling work, um, observing from students, um, you know, for instance, like, um, is it helpful to like, you know, think about registering for the test, you know, navigating some like more technical things or administrative things. Students, I feel like they're so busy these days. They're, you know, they're doing a million things or in school, they're doing activities. Are there small things that 
may not seem like a lot, um, but parents can do to help alleviate some maybe just workload that would still give students, um, allow them to take ownership of the process, but also just offset some, you know, work that busy work, so to speak, that could make it a little bit easier for them. Anything that you observed recently from your own experience? I would say that that the parents don't need to put the planning of all of the college visits on the student. Um, That's a lot. I mean, certainly you want the student to express and to indicate the schools that they're interested in in visiting. And as a family, you can discuss that and and the student can go online now and do lots of great um, kind of preliminary research with an online tour or an online information session. But as campuses open up again, I'm hopeful that that families will be able to to get back out there and and step onto college campuses. But, you know, figuring out what time you're going to go and where, you know, where you're going to stay like that, that can fall to the parents, certainly. And, And in my opinion, that isn't doing too much. That's supporting your kid. You know, your kid can tell you what they're interested in. You might be able to um, suggest some other schools in that general region. Um, But this also goes back to, I think, one of the things that I feel most strongly about is that it's very important for parents not to zero in on one college um, too early. Even later, if a student is applying early decision or early action, I think a parent can be supportive and helpful by reminding students repeatedly that there are lots of wonderful colleges out there and that it's so important to to not get completely obsessed with one school. <laughs> right. No, I think that's absolutely right. It's interesting when my second son, um, when we did some college visits, he told me the schools that he and his counselor had talked about. And, and it was actually a, a great group of schools because it sort of covered the gamut from uh, large public schools to small liberal arts schools. And, and he pushed back a little bit on um, on visiting a couple of them. And I said, you know what, we're driving past it anyway. And so I think that goes to your point, Meg, of, of, you know, my kids didn't have a concept of how far, how long it takes to get from one place to another. So it really made sense for me to be setting up the visits because I knew the logistics. Um, so I said, you know what, we're driving past this school anyway, and let's just stop in, you know, if you don't like it, we can leave after the tour. Um, but we set up an interview and a admissions uh, session and a tour. It ended up being one of his top choice schools. And it was something that he would not have done if his college counselor hadn't recommended it. And if I hadn't pushed a little bit. So I do think trying to, um, you know, let them know, okay, sure. You might be interested in visiting Harvard when we go to Boston, but let's also visit six or seven other schools that are, you know, right. That are um, interesting and different and, and find out, let's go beyond the name that you recognize. And especially, I think that advice is great for parents too, because if you're from overseas or you're coming from across the country, you might not be as familiar with some of the schools. And so there are resources that you can use to, um, you know, college counselor or just online to find out what schools are in the area and try to visit as many as you can. Because I think it's um, it's fascinating to me what appeals to students and, and they don't know what's going to appeal to them, really, until they step foot on the campuses and, and see what they have to offer. 
Yeah, that's absolutely true. Like I was, I used to have a book on my shelf. Um, I think like 360 you know, sixty some best colleges might have been one of the you know kind of your um, publishers on college guidebooks. But just even thinking about like the number of schools, you know, we have three four thousand universities, you know, um, colleges in the U.S. And so we're very blessed in that sense that we have so many options. Um, but yes, there's a hyper focus on a certain tier of schools, and it's important to keep that conversation open for even for the sake of like having that balanced. List, which we talk so much about with our students and families. Um, yes, the reach schools are sometimes easier to identify. We we hear these names more often in the news or just in conversation, but they're great schools that could be um, target schools or likely schools. And, and that conversation, you know, to have that at the very end or the midst of the process, like, you know, it's senior year, it's sometimes a little bit, you know, late because we're like, well, you don't have time to actually be thinking about them or even to, you know, um, if you can't make a specific trip, but um, if, it was on your radar earlier and maybe you were out to visit grandma in California and was able to see, Hey, you know, that college or university campus down the road so that you can start to explore different types of colleges and, you know, universities earlier on, that would have been um, perhaps helpful for students to envision themselves in different settings and contexts and helping them at this point at the beginning of senior year to develop a balanced list. So um, just being open, um, no pressure. We've often used that term in our counseling sessions, like no pressure, exploratory visits. You're not going to school X. We're just going to check it out. Mm -hmm. Do you like big places? Do you like small places? Do you like urban centers, suburban, um, rural areas? I, um, Judy and I, we've both been at upstate and New York, you know, situations, I, which I love, but sometimes students have impressions about, oh, I have to be in an urban setting or I have to be in a botanical garden. Garden, but let's check out different settings uh, and really have that um, open approach. And eventually, of course, you have to come down to a manageable list of not 350 schools that we're going to apply to or even 20, but, you know, that balanced list of 10, 12 schools uh, with some reaches, with some targets, with some likelies. So parents can't be supportive in introducing um part of that. Uh, you know, it falls on the counselor as well, but counselors can't do it alone in that sense, especially if there were other conversations uh, that are happening, um, you know, between um, students themselves and between parents and students. So uh, we need to all have kind of a broader conversation about options out there. I will say another thing that I helped my kids with was um, the testing aspect. Uh, um, it's interesting. So my daughter is my youngest and she was one of these COVID seniors. Uh, her testing schedule was completely disrupted. She had uh, three tests in a row canceled, 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 and she pulled back from the testing. And so I, I knew it was important to try to do it if we could. And um, I also feel that that's a high stakes thing. If you have test scores, you know, you want your sons and daughters to be independent, but you also don't want them to miss out on opportunities in a high stakes environment. Like, you know, I, I don't think it's, um, you know, I don't think it's wrong to say, okay, you have to have the test scores knitted. Can I help you? Can we get online? Can we do that? And sort of keep that in, in the background, maybe knowing what the deadlines are and making sure that they are complying with them, because that's something that schools are being much more flexible about. Many, many schools are test optional, even through this year, seeing, you know, testing come back to some level of normalcy, at least in the States. Um, but I do think that, you want to make sure they're not going to miss a deadline just because you're being stubborn about wanting them to be independent. And, and actually, I found that my kids, by having that and keeping an eye on it, 
it did meet the deadlines. My daughter is very organized. She was always, you know, a week ahead of anything. Uh, so by the time I checked with her, it was already done, but my son's not as much. And so um, I do think that's something you can be supportive with and in the background, not take over completely, but, but make sure you're there for support. Uh, you know, we want them to um, be independent. We want them to be advocates for themselves. You know, they can go in and talk to counselors. So if they have questions for you, encourage them to explore the options that are available, but, you know, kind of know that, have them know that you're there to support them. Mm -hmm. I think that point about um, helping students, supporting them to be their own advocates, it's very important. Um, we've always talked about self-advocacy, even for younger students, um, kind of developing that. Um, I'm just thinking even small things, like if um, earlier on in high school, there's a question with a teacher about a course. So instead of jumping in as parents, we, we want to help our children, right? Like we want to help them fix the situation um, to write the email to the teacher. If we could help our students to support them in help letting them write the email, you know, the first few emails so that they know how to interact with grown-ups because ultimately just even practically speaking for a college, you know, application, they need recommendations. And I think that teachers are um, much able to write better recommendations if they really get to know the students. So the students need to be out there interacting with their teachers, interacting later on with admissions officers when they're actually in the thick of it. Um, how do they communicate with admissions officers? How do they ask questions about opportunities um, and advocate for themselves? So yes, parents can be supportive. Um, initially, if students don't know how to read, you know, write emails or whatever to uh, grownups, we can be there. But that's really just to help them um, to do it on their own, um, you know, pretty soon, pretty quickly, you know, especially in high school. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I would also add, though, that sometimes kids' emails go unanswered. And I've seen that as a parent. And I say that as a former teacher. And so there are times when it's appropriate for a parent to step in too. So while I think we all would believe and support having the student be the, the first person to reach out and to try to deal with whatever situation arises, that it can be important for parents to know that they might need to step in and or encourage their son or daughter to copy them on an email to a teacher, then that might, um, you know, ensure that they get a response <laughs> or from the school counselor if they're trying to, you know, make a change in a schedule or something like that. So, you know, and those are really important lessons to learn for life too, that, you know, you've got to be a self-advocate, but then there are going to be occasions where you might, you know, need somebody else to, to be copied in on something in order to, to get noticed. Um, so the other thing I want to say is about visiting colleges. I found that um, for, for me and for, for my kids, that was really special time that that we carved out in, you know, high school students can be extremely busy in a non-pandemic world. And so it was I hadn't spent that kind of time with with my kids one on one. And, it, you know, we we put some fun into those trips as well. And I really tried my hardest to listen, you know, to use that as a time when we I was there to you know drive the car or, to, you know, to 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 make sure that we were getting to the campuses. But what I really wanted to do was to listen to my my sons or my daughters uh, 
reactions and thoughts and impressions of those places to to take that in rather than, you know, jumping in and saying what I liked about the tour or, you know, did they notice this? I, I think it can be really important to let the student have the space to start to articulate what what impressed them, what they saw, what they liked, what they didn't like even. Mm-hmm. You know, my oldest son did something interesting, Meg. Uh, after we visited every school, he texted his best friend who was not able to make some of the same visits. We were coming from out West and it was a long trip, any college visits. And so they set up a system where they would debrief on each college. So I asked him to start texting uh, or uh, dictating the text. And so it was really interesting for me to hear his perspective, uh, given to a peer. And so I loved hearing that. So that was sort of a fly on the wall moment for me to be able to understand what he liked about different places. And, and they carried that through all their visits, the two of them back and forth, um, which I thought was, was really amazing. And I, I too loved that time with my children visiting colleges. And I didn't get it with my daughter because I waited maybe a little too long and we had a great college tour planned for March of 2020. And guess what happened in March of 2020, the day before we were supposed to leave to fly east, um, the airports shut down, everything shut down. So uh, we didn't get that. And and I, I'm really sorry about that, you know, because I do think it is a special time and it, it can be high pressure. It can be stressful. You know, you're driving in a place that you don't know and you're getting lost, but try to keep that perspective that it's just such a great time to spend them not only hearing about their interests as related to college, but I got to listen to my son's Spotify playlists and hear what, <laughs> what they were interested in. We listened to podcasts together and talked about different things. And, and it was really great. It was really a, a, a nice time. So I do think, you know, as a parent, that is something, you know, if you are wondering whether or not the college visits are worthwhile, yes, they are, because I am a firm believer that seeing a college in person is very different from exploring online, even with virtual sessions and tours, um, but also just that time with them to be able to kind of see where they are in their lives. And, and you'll end up talking about a lot more than colleges is my guess along the way. That's a good point too. Like, um, you know, maybe some students and families could not fly if they could just even drive locally. Um, and I guess, you know, depending geographically, sometimes it could be a two hour drive or a 15 minute drive or, you know, four hour drive, but try to maybe plan an in-person. Um, the virtual world, it's different. Um, at the same time, I think, you know, post pandemic or maybe we're still in the midst of this pandemic, that it is an option right now that um, for perhaps geographically remote students, or students who may not have the resource to um, to see physically a campus, um, virtual visits um, are still possible and allow them to to see. And maybe parents can be encouraging of that and say, "Hey, we can't hit all these schools, but let's do um, a session together. But maybe we can do it in a different room, you know, like and Zoom, you know, all log into the same room, um, you know, different squares or whatever in the Zoom meeting. But to to encouraging that process uh, and make it allowing them to make it their own, but also have that togetherness a little bit too. So being creative, um, if virtual, uh, if physical uh, visits are not possible. Um, that reminds me another uh, kind of topic, uh, kind of the resources question. Um, so coming to the question of uh, how do we finance uh, this college endeavor, which could be very, very expensive. What are your thoughts on just how, how do we even start this process with you know um, kids about like, 
affording colleges? Um, how do we do this together as a family? Um, I think that's probably one of the biggest areas where perhaps there are different philosophies or different approaches. And how do we, you know, how do families navigate that? And how what can parents do to be supportive? I think that's really important. And I have seen quite a few families not address that and not research that early on. And I think it's, this is in particular a place where parents can um, take the lead and and do some research. Most of the colleges now have um, calculators on their financial aid websites. The parents are going to have to pull up their tax information to go in there and enter that information, which, you know, your typical teenager doesn't have access to that. But but that could spark a conversation for a family about what the family can afford. Um, and, and even, you know, students, they've probably heard college is expensive, but they might not really know how that fits into their own family's financial picture and budget. And um, so I would say, you know, sophomore year is is appropriate to start talking about that. Um, and even for parents just to, to get a sense kind of of how, uh, you know, what the different uh, costs and opportunities are out there as well. And I think that's a great time, too, to think about setting up a meeting with a college counselor at your son or daughter's high school because um, they may well have some you know, interesting information, uh, even for parents who have been to college, it was 20 plus years ago and things are very different now. And so I do think having that sense of, okay, where we are financially and making some decisions, you know, okay, great. We can do any school on your list, or maybe we need to focus on schools that have some merit financial aid or need-based financial aid and finding out what those terms mean and how it relates to you as a family. Um, I worked casually with a friend of my daughter's who went through the entire uh, first three years of his high school thinking that he would be able to go wherever he wanted, that there was money set aside. And um, and his parents took him to probably about 40 different colleges. And then suddenly at the end of junior year, they said, let's put the brakes on this. Actually, there's no money for it. And so he had to make a really hard pivot into something different. And, and that was too late, you know, that because he had already done so much work for these other types of schools. So Meg, I think you're right. Sophomore year is a great time to start thinking about um, the finances and, and how that will impact um, the search and the eventual colleges that your son or daughter applies to. That's um, that's one research I would say that parents could do a bit because it is very technical and it, there's a lot to go through. Um, you can have, a you know, uh, ostensibly on paper, very expensive private school because of the way their financial aid um, system works, it could be cheaper. You could receive actually more need-based aid than a school that might even be a public university locally where you think, oh, of course, the in-state option is always better. So it's important for parents to, um, and because of all that you have the financial information, um, financial aid is primarily based on you know um, families' uh, tax returns. So these are um, documents that your child may not have access to. So if you can, as a family, to parents do some initial research um, to figure out 
what the cost could be at various universities. That could also set um, some guidelines or guardrails um, in terms of what schools to visit or to focus on to have that conversation. Um, some financial aid will involve student work study. So talking through, like, how do you think about, you know, financing, paying through partially, you know, we could support, but you are also expected to pay for your own education. This is one way you could do. So loans, how does that work? So there are lots of, I think, uh, those nitty gritty details that, um, yes, yeah, students should, you know, that's part of their own education and, you know, um, whatever your family philosophy may be, but just at least get started to do the research um, for parents. That's just good. Like if you think about retirement or any other financial decision that you have to make as a family to kind of do the research and understand the parameters um, and then have that kind of family discussion um, so that, you know, it's not too late. Um, We've already gone down this path, but all of a sudden, oh no, you know, that's not viable because financially it's not, you know, so that that could be disappointing um, for, you know. I do think that's an important uh, point to highlight though, that the local in-state public university isn't always the cheapest option. Um, and that I lived in a state where um, 95% of the high school students stayed in state for their education, uh, you know, at various universities within the state. And so it was sometimes challenging for me to, to, you know, explore. And, and very often they did find these options that were the same price or, or sometimes even less. And so um, there's just so much to explore. It's, it's actually a big part of a college education here in the States. And I do think that's something that parents can jump into you know, by sophomore year, but really any time to begin educating yourself about that, because it's a vast, there's a vast amount of information out there um, to become familiar with. And even encouraging students to apply for scholarships Mm -hmm. um, and helping students to research some scholarship opportunities. Obviously, the student's going to fill out that application and, and go after it, but parents can gather some of those resources for students, um, and I think that can be super helpful. Yeah, sure. So on a completely different topic, Meg, did your uh, son and daughter let you read their applications? Were they, did they uh, share their essay along the way with you? They did, but it was interesting. I, I felt, and just as I've said to um, the parents of students I work with, that we also needed to find someone else who didn't know them, who, who, knew how college admissions work, but wasn't a parent to read their essays, because this is often the problem with a parent, you know, the backstory, you Mm -hmm. you know, so you don't necessarily know if they've left out an important part of that backstory, because it's, you already understand it, which is why I always encourage my students to share their essay with someone who doesn't know them really, really well, doesn't necessarily have to be a former, you know, admissions person or a college counselor, that would be ideal if you, you could share that with your college counselor. But um, yeah, it, you need to go beyond the family mm-hmm. in doing those essays, I think. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. And, you know, I, of course, I'm in the funny circumstance of having feeling like I know it all about essays, but you're right. It's very hard to judge your own children's um, content and decide, you know, whether it represents them well enough. So my kids always came to me for editing help here. What do you think of this idea? And I had to encourage them to go elsewhere. But I have friends who said, oh, I never saw it. it. You know, it got submitted, never saw it once. And and I do think you need to find the balance with that. Like, oh, what are you writing about? Like, what, mm-hmm. what do you get across to the admissions committee? Like what, you know, so um, it's just one of those funny things. And my daughter, 
was the most skeptical of my skills, I think. And she, I loved her essay and she didn't think it was great. And she gave it to her college counselor who also loved it. And then it was a great essay, you know? So <laughs> I think that's very typical of teenagers that they, uh, they really want somebody else who's not a parent to say like, yeah, it's okay. It's good. This is you. And I'll reiterate um, that I think it's important for the students to have that own voice as well. Um, we've all heard like, if it's too adult, you know, like it's not their voice. And, and we've read um, either as counselors or as admission officers essays that just, did not sound like, you know, a 17 year old. So allowing them to have their own voice, but maybe have um, an objective, um, you know, an English teacher or a school college counselor to kind of have another pair of eyes. Certainly there's value to having some objective feedback as well. And it reminds me, Judy, your earlier point about maybe setting up some parameters, whether it's like an actual, you know, mom and dad kid contract or some kind of, let's say we will confine our college discussion to Monday, you know, Monday night dinners. And I, you know, I will not, you know, take over your essay, but let's put it up in a share doc or maybe, you know, you can share with your English teacher and CC me or just have something that where, you know, parents feel like they are not totally shut out. Um, but again, that balance between like, I'm here to support you, but I also want you to take, um, you know, charge of the whole process. So I, I always feel like these setting up parameters could be very helpful, like expectations, right? Like, let's do it this way. We know in, in the, you know, the daily grind of it, it might not work out perfectly, but at least we're aligned initially to the extent possible about how we are going to go through it together, um, respecting kind of your role as a student. And this is you going to college, not we going to college, but you. Um, but at the same time, I, as a parent, could be uh, supportive um, in helping you and not, you know, allowing you to feel like you're unsupportive through the process. I think that's what it boils down to finding that balance between uh, being supportive and finding uh, a way for your son or daughter to feel good that it is their process and their their choices that they're making about applying to college. So I think we're out of time and I want to thank everyone for tuning in to Just Admit It. You can catch up on all of our previous episodes by visiting the Just Admit It podcast page and be sure to bookmark our IUI's knowledge base to stay up to date with all of the latest admissions, college admissions news and advice. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for additional college prep resources. Um, this was the last episode of our season of our semester two of our podcast, but we are looking forward to bringing you semester three in the fall. I hope everyone enjoys their summer or winter break, depending on where you are in the world. Thanks for joining us today. 